Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by PayPal. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on the hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there. Welcome to the hash here on Coindesk TV and the Coindesk Podcast Network. I'm Zach Seward. We got Jed Sanassi. We got David Morris. We got Wendy O. We got the news from the crypto world and we explain why it matters. Come with us on a journey. I start. Let's go. Crypto custody firm BitGo is canceling its announced Prime Trust acquisition. Bitco said it was in the process of doing this acquisition. And then it said this morning on Twitter, hey, sorry, we looked into it. We're not doing it. It's been a rough road for Prime Trust. Bitco could have been a savior, but even Bitco says maybe it's too much for them to tackle. I had a bit of a flashback to the whole Binance FTX thing when I saw that Bitco tweet this morning. And we are going to unpack what is going on. David, what's up? Yeah. So just to expand on your thought, um, what seems to have happened is that BitGo floated the idea that it's going to acquire Prime Trust and it got to look at the books and said, no, thank you. And, you know, there, there's a lot of speculation out there right now about exactly what's going on. But, you know, the uh, the, the probable takeaway is that there's something wrong um, inside Prime Trust in terms of their, you know, actually holding on to customer assets, which is not good because Prime Trust is primarily a custodian. Um, and that's their one job, as they say. Jen, I saw you want to jump in. Yeah, I was just gonna, I wanted to unpack that speculation a little bit more. So this is obviously like not anything that's confirmed, just speculation that's on Twitter, yes. but there's some speculation that there's a cease and desist from a state regulator. There's some speculation that there could be a hole in the balance sheet. And it just feels like we've been building up to this tweet, Zach, this morning that feels so reminiscent of times past over the past few weeks. You know, bank, a subsidiary of Prime Trust failed for bankruptcy a few weeks ago. Then we had True USD, which has a banking relationship with Prime Trust, pause on minting the stablecoin. It just feels like all of these things have happened. And maybe in the past few days, took a look at, at this company and said, it's just not a good time from a regulatory perspective. And it's maybe not a good business decision, given what's going on with the company and companies that are affiliated with it. Zach? Yeah, I mean, you have some clients just straight taking to Twitter and saying, hey, you know, just so you guys know, Prime Trust has suspended deposits and withdrawals allegedly at the behest of a state regulator. So some of that speculation is informed speculation we can posit. But as it relates to what's driving these problems, I think that is in the realm of speculation at the moment. 
But you are seeing companies that have worked with Prime Trust in the past go to Twitter today and say, hey, just so you know, deposits and withdrawal suspended. So something is indeed going on over there. Wendy, yeah, I want to get your a little take. Little more sure. than rumors. Well, I really agree with David's take on this. I have heard from a source of mine that they have been in trouble for quite some time, and that it is all very true that there are issues with um, their balance sheet and whatnot. I won't comment on what caused it, but yeah, that's a hundred percent true. They are having some issues, and that's pretty much all. It's really sad to see because it feels like with all the recent actions of the SEC kind of attacking crypto, that our ecosystem in the United States is going to be forced to the tradfi entities, which people are championing for. Good, that's fantastic for them. I'll grift along with them and capitalize on that as much as I can financially, like everybody else. But at the same time, it's a little bit scary to see, and I don't think people really are going to understand the long term effects if we don't have a lot of smaller crypto asset companies in the space. Um, we don't want to see a monopoly in the US like we've seen with like cable companies and with other big US banks. But that's just my opinion. I'm an idiot on the internet. <laughs> yeah. And specifically to the SEC and the regulatory situation, the timing here is potentially very ironic, perhaps, because what's working its way, albeit slowly and hesitantly through the House right now, is a market structure bill that would create a position specifically for custodians to serve exchanges, which is what Prime Trust was already doing. Um, so they were sort of ahead of the law here, potentially. But it looks like they're not going to make it to the point where they would have some position in the market enshrined in law that would have been very good for them um, if, if that had happened. Um, so the, the timing stinks, it seems. Yeah. Also, just like a historical footnote, BitGo, right, was almost acquired by Galaxy. Uh, and that deal did not go through. And that's been sort of winding its way through the courts with a bit of closure recently. So the idea that BitGo is now linked to two failed acquisitions, largely for very different reasons, is a bit of a, a footnote that should be mentioned. I don't know, Jen, any final thoughts on this one? We can change gears. Well I was going to ask uh, David a question just on the topic of opinions and, and speculation. Previously, when it comes to news like this, we've seen the markets react, but they've been kind of stable. Like, what well, does that tell you? Tell you anything? The markets haven't done anything on this news. Uh, it looks like Wendy might have something. Can I? I don't. Well, I'm just looking at the message from my person and. They had a particular free service regarding lending out different coins to cover fees. And um, the people that I spoke with opted to not use them for that reason. And that could be the reason why mm. they are in hot water. That does not sound great. Um, to answer Jen's question real quick, I think one reason might simply be that they're relatively small. I don't know the numbers, but um, the notices that we're seeing from customers are from relatively obscure exchanges and services. So it might simply be a, a matter of footprint, like they're not that big uh, in terms of market impact would be my thought. Zach, we got another story here. Well, let's do this thing. I think uh, let's change it's it up, Wendy. Jen. You got next. Wendy. No, Wendy. Wendy. We're going off Wendy. to the UK. Let's do it. Is it is me. UK okay. time. So because I'm a woman, I am very emotional about this story, but I'm also very like not happy about it and happy about it at the same time. Digital pounds should be interoperable with crypto, UK lobbyists said. As you guys know, I don't like CBDCs. I think they're terrible. I think they're awful. But my co-host, Zach, absolutely loves them for <laughs> some reason because he thinks it's going to make his tax paying stuff easier. So good for you, Zach. <laughs> Fingers crossed. 
Um, yes. So apparently the UK government <laughs> proposed a model where Bank of England would provide infrastructure for a CBDC, which is they're going to be their digital pound. The lobby groups and crypto firms are welcoming of the plans. Of course, that makes sense. And I kind of am welcoming of it, too, because the reason why they're talking about interoperability here is because they want it to be interoperable with crypto in order to be suitable for the future. So it's like they are trying to appease everybody and compromise, unlike what we're doing in the US, but at the same time, no to a CBDC, no. Zach, I'm going to toss it over to you. I cannot wait to ape my digital dollars into <laughs> DeFi lending protocols. And I can also not wait to ape my digital pounds into crazy DeFi shenanigans as well. So I hope that this comes to pass because that really would be a remarkable merging of the worlds of TradFi, central banks, and DeFi degenerates. That really would be something to see. I think the subtext here is that the UK is serious about trying to become a crypto hub, right? You have a crypto-friendly prime minister. You have A16Z setting up shop there saying, hey, the US is not doing it for us. We need to at least send a signal that we're going to be more active in UK and potentially Europe as well. So I think that's certainly the subtext here is thinking about these innovations and thinking about how they can serve greater economic aims in the UK, which like their economy is not doing great. So they're saying, hey, maybe we can embrace this crypto thing in a way that makes sense for us, in a way that protects our consumers, in a way that we can benefit from. And I feel like this is very much part of that conversation as it relates to their efforts with their own CBDC. I know David wants in on this, but Jen had her hand up. I'm going to toss it to her first. I'll go super quick. And then David, it's all yours. So when we, we talk about CBDCs being this interoperable money that we can use in the crypto ecosystem, we have something like that already, and it's called stable coins. And I think it's really interesting, like they're stable coins, they do many of the same things that CBDCs are going to be created to do. And they address some of these problems that are outlined in this article, right? There's the problem with privacy. And then in the article, it says, you know, during the test period, they're going to limit how many CBDCs can be held in each individual's wallet, because again, they are concerned about bank runs. If it's so fast for people to be able to interact with the CBDC, it will be really fast for them to withdraw their money. And stablecoins solve the solution. And so I hope that we see countries looking into stablecoins instead of CBDCs because they already exist and they address many of the pain points that we bring up on this show um, when we talk about CBDCs. David? Absolutely. I mean, I tend to agree that private stablecoins are a bit of a better solution for most users. And in particular, I think I have to make the point that the idea that's floating that a digitized pound would somehow help make the UK a crypto hub is optimistic, to say the least. Um, I've written about this quite a bit. And really, just like taking a currency and putting it on the blockchain is not going to have a huge material impact on its like global reach. I mean, the pound is down to something like 2% of global currency reserves. And that was before the whole Liz Trust thing. Like I really feel for them, the economy is in a bad place, but digitizing your currency, regardless of the details, is not in and of itself going to transform your economy into some kind of global network. Um, and I think that there will be some benefits to having the UK chase this crypto center status. I don't think it's something that they will actually achieve in any meaningful sense. Um, in part, because frankly, the EU draft stuff around stable coins is looking way better and way better designed and way smarter. And the people who are doing it seem to have their heads around the real issues a little bit better. So if nothing else, there's competition right next door from a better currency and with a system that is being designed better from what I see. Yeah, I just wanted to say really quick, Jen, I, I agree with you. I think that like for the US, the best path forward for a CBDC, and again, you guys, I hate CBDCs, but I have to play the devil's <laughs> advocate here, okay? Because it's going to happen whether I like it or not. The world doesn't revolve around me, even though it should. 
Just kidding. Uh, but I think that we will have USDC as a stable coin or the CBDC in the US. I don't know exactly how they're going to do that mm -hmm. because they're going to have to figure out how to kind of merge all of our assets to integrate that. So maybe it might not work out that way, but I feel like they will use Circle. Circle's already built out. They already have the infrastructure. They know how to mm -hmm. do this. They have experience. They've been under heavy regulatory scrutiny. They have to kind of do everything that everybody says. Plus, Coinbase was one of the early investors in Circle, I believe. And Coinbase, um, a lot of government entities use Coinbase for different types of stuff. So it kind of makes sense for all of these people to join together and oppress us further. Do we have time to, for Wendy to tell us why she doesn't like CBDCs? Because you never miss an opportunity to make that point. Oh, well, I want to make sure that everybody knows they're going to track you. They can um, potentially stop you from doing things and you're not going to have access to your money anymore. Plus, you don't want the public servants seeing what you're doing. They're probably going to have it set up to where they can see everything we're doing, but we're not going to be able to see what they're doing. We're not going to know our taxpayer dollars go. We're not going to know how much our public servants are making or how the money that they're accepting from other people. So that's where it gets a little bit problematic for me. And the reason why I feel this way is I haven't seen any type of transparency from our government any way, shape or form. They say that they do, but I still don't know how there's three out of 10 star schools in um, LA County, considering we are like one of these big, biggest economies. So one plus one doesn't equal mm -hmm. two in this case. Wendy, I'm going to set you up to just take that point further, like bring it home for us. What about people who say, I'm not doing anything bad. I'm not committing any crime. So I don't care if people can see my transactions. <laughs> That's good for them. I don't do anything bad. I'm not committing any crimes, but I don't want people in my business. I don't want someone walking up to me and saying, can I see what's inside your wallet? Can you imagine a complete stranger walking up to you like when you're walking down the street and you're just like, ah, that's what it feels like to me. And I just don't like it. I like my personal privacy. I also don't want people knowing that I go to um, store X at three o'clock every Tuesday with my six-year-old. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is going to happen. It could be a bit dangerous. Attention crypto holders, moving crypto is seamless and secure with PayPal. With support for Bitcoin, ETH, and more, you can buy, sell, hold, send, and check out with crypto at millions of shops online. Not to mention, PayPal now supports the ability to send to and from external wallets and charges you nothing when transferring between PayPal and Venmo crypto wallets. Whether you're exploring the world of Web3 or hodling on for another day, PayPal is the convenient and simple way to convert dollars into crypto. PayPal has your back. They work to protect your financial info and give you confidence every step of your crypto journey. Now's the time to make your crypto move. Get started today at paypal.com slash crypto. Terms and conditions apply. Our third story today, uh, we're actually talking about a piece that I wrote and published yesterday about the complexities basically of shorting Tether. And this is in the context of the SEC crackdown and the possibility that Tether could face some kind of regulatory scrutiny or enforcement um, which obviously could be bad for the token. And uh, the problem, though, is that the SEC is also blocking major U.S. mainstream TradFi institutions who might want to short this token, blocking them from accessing the infrastructure that they might need to do that in a way that's easy for them. Um, so, in fact, ironically, as one of my sources put it, the SEC may be the biggest thing protecting Tether right now from uh, forces that would potentially knock it off of its peg. Um, I guess I'll just throw it out there, especially on the question of where the regulatory winds might be blowing with regards to Tether. Um, it does have some insulation because it's nominally offshore, but we've seen that that doesn't uh, necessarily provide airtight protection. Do people think the SEC is going to go after Tether? Zach? Yeah, some bank analysts do. You know, we talked about this yesterday on the show. There was a report, I think it was from Berenberg, saying that stablecoins may be next uh, on the list and as it relates to the SEC's crypto crackdown. 
And, you know, as you alluded to, David, like the idea that Binance is largely an offshore entity didn't stop the SEC from going after it with very strong terms. So this idea is certainly possible. Whether or not it's plausible, I think, is anyone's guess right now, right? Does Berenberg know something that we don't? Do the sources in David's piece know something that we don't? It's hard to say, like, whether or not you know, the SEC specifically thinks that stablecoin issuers are ripe for disruption as it relates to a regulatory crackdown. So that would be a big, that would be a big one. I mean, if you're SEC chair Gary Gensler and you're saying, okay, what is systemically important to the crypto sector? Tether would probably be right up there at the very top of that list. So potentially target, but hard to say if that's going to be how it's tackled. They've had a problem, I think, taking down issuers themselves. And we've seen them focus on exchanges and stuff and attacking token issuers by proxy. So I don't know. I'm not, I don't necessarily have a strong opinion as to whether or not that is the next shoe to drop, though certainly some are out there, you know, speculating that that may be the case. I guess I want to throw it back to you, David. You know, what would be the mechanic by which people could short Tether, right? There's less of a, less of an open market dynamic around how to sink the fortunes of this, uh, of this company. Mm. What would that look like? You mentioned that it would be technically complex. Well, it's not so much that it's complex. It, well, for, for, for crypto natives, it's not complex because really like any short, the first leg is you just borrow it and you can borrow Tether pretty much anywhere. I mean, in a lot of different venues, um, particularly DeFi, it's very easy to borrow Tether. And then, you know, like any short, you then you borrow it and then you sell it or you swap it for another stable coin on the assumption that maybe it'll deep peg and then you can repay that loan cheaper. Um, the problem is that you can do that on decentralized exchanges, but um, there are very limited uh, if not no uh, venues that are accessible to traditional finance where you can do that and, and they don't have the expertise to either go directly to the DEX or maybe they're paying a broker dealer to do that for them. But that adds to the cost of carrying the trade, which makes it much less appealing. And there's also already limited upside because, you know, there are questions about Tether's backing and redemption, but they're not, you know, it's, I make the point that it's nothing like Terra USD, right? This algorithmic stablecoin that collapsed to zero last year. Tether is not going to collapse to zero, even if they have a significant depegging event, because they do have really substantial assets. They can redeem a lot. And, uh, and so there are these barriers where even if maybe there is actually only 95% backing, somebody shorting it is not going to like find that out unless you do it at real size, because it's an $80 billion asset. Wendy, I saw you wanted to get in there. Yeah, I actually have a question for you. As I've covered Tether extensively on my channel since like 2019, and I just remember all of the Tether FUD from the previous bear market, like they're insolvent, they don't have enough fun. Like there's always Tether fun with every cycle. But I guess my question is, they've really, really gone through the ringer with the NYAG. Like the NYAG mm -hmm. absolutely like pretty much gaffled them up and said, hey, what's going on? And they had to provide reserves. They had to become more transparent. And this was, I believe, before Tether was even listed on a lot of the major centralized exchanges. So I guess my question to you is, does any of that scrutiny matter? Is the SEC, do you think, is going to look at that? Or how is this going to impact Tether, considering that they've kind of gone through one of the biggest entities in the US, NYAG? Because it's a big deal to get right. to have to deal with them. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, the NYAG thing is not a stamp of approval that they're legally okay. It's a very specific action. Um, but I think more generally, like the point that they have shown that they're robust is, is very, very clear. I mean, they've been through years of skepticism. You know, Coindesk recently did a FOIA request and we did find that there have been misrepresentations. I mean, there's, there's no denying that there have been misrepresentations by Tether of the nature of their reserves. And that does give some fuel to this short thesis. But, you know, I think my, my take, my holistic take 
is that they've made some mistakes and who knows what's going on under the hood, but that at a very high, broad level, they are trying to actually do the business that they're saying they're doing. Um, I mean, I, I don't believe personally, and this is holistic and impressionistic, but I don't believe it's like some super long ex exit scam or Ponzi scheme. I mean, we know they have a bunch of T-bills. They have a bunch of, you know, not as much commercial paper anymore. So they've made the, some changes to be more resilient. And then the other question is, what can the SEC do to actually touch them? I mean, you can get it off of U.S. trading venues, and that's probably close to it. I mean, Palo Arduino, I'm sure, is already not exactly planning any vacations to the U.S., but, uh, but there are limited options, I think, for enforcement here. So, you know, I think those are, those are the real questions. What can you do? And, and they're not based in the U.S., and there might be something you can do, but it might be limited. All right. We're going to leave the Tether discussion there. I'm sure we'll circle back to it at some time soon in the future. And we're going to head off to Germany, where the German intelligence agency called the BND has released an NFT collection to recruit talent through a gamified blockchain treasure hunt. The collection called Dogs of BND can only be acquired by completing a cyber quest and locating a hidden string of characters to be able to mint into the collection. Zach, I'm going to toss it off to you because in your tease there, you said, could this be a trap? I'm not sure if you used those exact words, but that's where you were insinuating. And so what do you think? I mean, this is like the German CIA, right? So, I mean, I don't know what secret agenda they have here. I mean, sure, it's all in good fun, a blockchain treasure hunt until they come and arrest you because they know <laughs> what you're doing is bad. So anyway, watch out, people. No, I really have no strong opinions about this one. It's cool to see people get creative in attracting talent. And hey, if a blockchain-based cyber quest is what's doing it for the kids these days, then by all means, BND, go out there, mint some of these weird-looking dogs, and we wish you luck in obtaining talented crypto people. David, what do you think? So I wanted to highlight one thing, um, which is that the treasure hunt element of this, from what I understand, was pretty minimal. Um, what I saw was not too much more than they posted an address. They posted an OX14, something like that. And basically, like the puzzle is, do you know this is a blockchain address? Um, and so I guess that's the standard for the uh, recruiting program that they're doing here is to know what a blockchain address looks like and how to click on it in a block explorer. What I saw from some people, and this is secondhand, but apparently the, uh, the address just contained a note directing you to the OpenSea storefront where this stuff is for sale or, or being minted. So I, I got to say, uh, not exactly a high bar to uh, be recruited by the German CIA here, um, which I, I think, you know, if anything, Zach, maybe feeds into your little pet theory there a little bit. I'll just say that. Wendy. So I actually love this idea, but not for the GIA. I think it's kind of weird. <laughs> and considering that the quest was kind BND. of... BND. <laughs> well, I just, I'm calling it the GIA, okay? Because it's a German intelligence <laughs> agency, okay? I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I think this is a very cool concept for other types of companies, but not necessarily for this. So I like it. I think it's awesome. Um, it just, I mean, if you want to recruit somebody um, and prove that they know X, Y, and Z specific skills, this would be a great way to do it because um, everything in, you know, crypto is pretty transparent. You can see. And if you can't do the tasks that they're asking, then you just might not be qualified for the job. Yeah, the goal is to seek out young talent who are fluent in blockchain technology to help mitigate cybercrime. They advertise it on their Instagram page, which has 25,000 followers. Like, I just feel like this German intelligence agency is very public for an intelligence agency. But David, given your comments, that's really interesting that it's so easy to complete the task. And I wonder if this is some kind of 
marketing ploy for something. I have no idea what they would be marketing, but if it's so easy and you just need to identify an address, I don't know. I feel like there's something else up here. Maybe that's it. Maybe the people who figure out that this is something else will be recruited to the BND and maybe it could be one of us. Yeah, I mean, maybe two days from now we figure out that there's like a whole other puzzle, but um, I don't know. The mint price for them is under a cent, I believe, and they're already um, trading on OpenSea. So I also don't know, like if you just buy one, if you could use that purchased NFT to say, hey, I solved the puzzle. I don't know, a lot of questions here for the German intelligence agency. Also, can I just chime in on an aesthetic note? Um, (laughs) You know, who knows what the significance is for people in Germany, but looking from the US, the fact that they make these goofy looking German shepherds and that's their decision for their mascot is just weird. I'll just I'll just throw that out there and let people uh, infer my suggestion there. They're police dogs wearing cybersecurity wear with bubblegum. I think the emo haircuts, <laughs> and sunglasses. they really do it for me. Like the emo, like long bang, like early aughts. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. All right. That's it. We're probably not going to be like Nick Cage in National Treasure. But if this was the start of that, then I hope in two days time, it's a fun adventure. All right. I'm Zach. We got Wendy O. We got David Morris. We got Jensen Assey. We'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. We hope you're having a good day. Stay safe out there, folks. See you later. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 